from the dark web to your radio dial. You are listening to CyberTalk Radio on News 1200 WOAI. Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. We are here this week with Joe Sanchez of the CyberTexas Foundation. Joe, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, Brett. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and uh, what the CyberTexas Foundation is? Sure. My background is I'm a native San Antonian, um, at least a sixth-generation Texan. Family's been around for a long time. Uh, grew up here, went to a school here at St. Mary's University, bachelor's and master's. Moved on to work uh, for the Air Force. I'm a DOD civilian. Um, but CyberTexas grew out of a lot of work that we'd been doing since the late 1990s, focused on cyber education, just getting more and more people into the field. I recognized there was not enough at the area universities and UTSA raised their hand and said that's something we find of interest. And before you knew it, centers, institutes, programs were established over the last nearly 20 years. And we recognized that CyberTexas Foundation needed to be formed in order to have a more formalized process for people to help us now bring in the youth into this particular field. Yeah. So the cybersecurity workforce uh, is a, a kind of hot topic nationwide. We've got a, a big gap in the number of cybersecurity professionals for the, the roles that are available out there. Um, and this is one in San Antonio. It feels like we're doing a pretty great job relative maybe to the rest of the nation, but we still feel like we could be um, even doing better here. So you mentioned the UTSA program. I'd like to go into a little bit more detail about that one because I think many in our listening audience won't realize uh, just the quality of that program. Um, and if uh, I mentioned Carnegie Mellon, MIT, and UTSA, I can say all three of those in the same breath if I'm talking cybersecurity. Indeed, indeed. So when did that program really get off the ground there and the, the master's and, and degree programs in cybersecurity? Well, I guess there was a little bit of what was then called information technology security back in the late 1990s uh, within the College of Science. There were a couple of courses. Actually, Humanard uh, was probably one of the first to bring that in. Uh, I worked then for the Air Force, and we were getting into the information operations field and recognized that there was a need to grow our own here in San Antonio. Uh, I happened to be at a luncheon. Then brand new Dr. Romo uh, had some local leaders. I raised my hand and said, I'm from the Air Force. I'd like to find ways to bring more people into this field and also do some research projects. And he, of course, looked to his folks and said, yes, that's something we could be doing. And over time, we began working with his folks. And there was people like David Spencer uh, at the time when the, we were looking at uh, bringing in new, new areas of business into the community. And he always felt that there was a need for cybersecurity education. And so he put me, he partnered me with a gentleman by the name of Mark Gravely, and we began building a program of local leaders. There were 25 to 30, 40 people together looking at what can information technology security grow into. And we began looking at what are the things that we need. So we definitely needed college programs. We began to recognize a need for high school programs. So the UTSA grew a first a Bachelor of Science degree in information assurance and security, infrastructure assurance and security, by the way. And then they slowly brought funding in. I was able to work with some of my former friends up in D.C. and brought first $2.5 million into UTSA. We also began to grow high school programs, what is now the Information Technology and Security Academy at the high school level. So those two were the major institutes that were formed in the early 2000s that I would say are the genesis of cybersecurity education here in San Antonio. And 
So this program that started now about 15 years ago is a recognized nationwide top-tier research program and top-tier degree program. Yes, it is. The Pony Mount Institute a couple of years ago recognized UTSA among its peers to say that UTSA had the top number one program in the United States when it comes to cybersecurity education. And I believe that's a combination of the three colleges at, at UTSA. You have the College of Science, the College of Engineering, and the College of Business, and each one has its own attributes in this field, and they have centers and institutes that, that walk across each of those centers. That is what the Ponymon Institute ranked as the top college in the country, and again, that's been a couple of years. They still, we still use that as a, a grand um, opportunity to share what, how great a program we have here in UTSA. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It, no matter of how you look at it, maybe number one that year, but uh, definitely a top five program uh, in a continuing basis uh, for many years now uh, nationwide. So if you uh, kids that are in uh, high school that are thinking about getting into cybersecurity uh, and you live here in San Antonio, you happen to live in a great place to send your kids to the top tier program uh, around the country. So uh, get over there, get involved in uh, summer camps and uh, other things to uh, see what you can do to get in because it is a uh, highly selective and highly competitive uh, program as well at this point. Absolutely. And the key, as I mentioned earlier, they're in three different colleges. So if an individual, a young lady or young man has an interest in, say, the business aspect, you can move more into the College of Business programs, which are the more established degrees. If you have a strong science background and want to get a computer science degree, as you indicated, you have, and I do as well here at St. Mary's University, there is a College of Science program. There's also a College of Engineering within UTSA that has some cybersecurity programs as well. So depending on the person's interest, they can go to any one of those three colleges and get a pretty good education in cybersecurity. Yeah. So with that program kind of leading the way, uh, my understanding now, we've, we're up to eight four-year universities here around town, and a number of the other universities have added cybersecurity programs as well. Is this related to... Uh, the same work efforts or these separate initiatives? No doubt. Uh, from the beginning, we had other partners in these early meetings when we formed the UTSA program, and there was a little vying for who the university would be. Uh, I happened to be among those that, that recognized that UTSA was the best. They had strong Tier 1 expectations in the future. But folks like Texas A&M San Antonio, even though they were only a junior-senior program at the time, raised their hand and said, yes, we want to move into this. Uh, St. Mary's University as well has recently with the Master's of Science in co Computer Security focused on cryptology and ethics and legal aspects. You had folks at Northwest Vista, San Antonio College, St. Phillips. Uh, you had other universities, even Trinity has stepped up and they've all formed their own programs. Some focused on other areas. I can't forget Our Lady of the Lake University. They were one of the early adopters as well. Uh, they each had centers. Uh, we have designation by NSA and DHS as centers of excellence, and many of those universities are. We have five here in San Antonio with Our Lady of the Lake, UTSA, um, Northwest Vista, St. Phillips, and San Antonio College are, are all centers of academic excellence. Yeah, which is, is amazing. Uh, so, I mean, if you're listening to this on a iTunes podcast and thinking about where do I go to college, you could apply to five programs here in San Antonio that are all NSA recognized programs um, and get into any one of those and then you're going to have a peer group of college students across not just your campus but all across the city uh, that you can interact with in local groups here the Cyber Def Dojo 
um, and in many different uh, places you can get together to really um, enhance your cybersecurity skills just beyond even the, the classroom education. Absolutely, Brett. And I think what's really cool now is another venue, which I know we'll get to maybe a bit later in the hour, is Cyber Patriot. Uh, what I think you'll find is you speak about finding friends or peers at either the university you're attending or universities across the city. They have competed against each other in Cyber Patriot. The likelihood is if you're going to be going into this degree at the college university level, you will have participated in Cyber Patriot. And this year we had 258 teams register, most than any other city in the country, for Cyber Patriot. So it's interesting, and there already is a little competition amongst the high schools and even middle schools to recognize that there are other peers out there. And they come together at the clinics and camps that I know we'll talk about. So they, they know each other by the, the past that they've, they've brought to the university in Cyber Patriot. So let's go ahead and um, go. So we've covered the high level of the university programs here. Pretty amazing. But now, uh, just like anything, you need to keep going down to the high school, down to the middle school. And I've heard even potentially elementary schools are going to start doing um, some cybersecurity, maybe yes. with card games like Pokemon cards. Mm -hmm. uh, there's cybersecurity cards out of uh, one of the centers at UTSA, UTSA put these together. Right. I have a pack at my home. Um, yes, it's Cyber Threat Defender. Well, what, what truly happened was, and I'm, I'm pleased to say that we worked a couple of years at the university level. Then we moved on to uh, the high school programs. Um, Cyber Patriot came about about six years ago here in San Antonio. We started with 24 teams um, that registered. We got a third place actually in the nationals and the following year we actually won the national championship. But we slowly found that there were high schools that were developing curriculum or at least focused on the cybersecurity angle of an IT course that was offered or computer science course offered in the high schools. The one that truly popped up is, is at Holmes High School. In fact, the gentleman who works upstairs at the Open Cloud Academy, John Carrera, happens to be my first cousin, um, started there at Holmes as a computer technician. And more and more students and teachers came to him for assistance with computers. The principal recognized his capabilities and said, you should be a teacher. John said, I'm not a teacher. I don't have a certificate. I don't have a degree, but I know computers. She said, you will be a teacher next fall. And he started with a room with desks and that was it. He didn't have curriculum, he didn't have computers, he didn't have network equipment, but he scrounged around because he knew all the IT people within the district and they put together a, a, a one classroom for him. He then looked to what he knew and he knew CompTIA certifications. That's an industry recognized certifications through CompTIA, Network Plus, Security Plus, A Plus. Then he looked to Cisco, looked to CCNA type of certificates. He began to offer that with the hope of some of these students actually attaining certificates. Many people within his district and school said, you'll never have a high school student pass a CompTIA certification. Yeah, and for, for those that are not aware of, where is Holmes in San Antonio? Holmes is on the northwest part of town, no, northwest Loop 410 at Ingram, so by the, right across the freeway from Ingram Mall. Yeah, and for, for those listening maybe outside the San Antonio area, um, that's not a super high affluence area. There's a lot of kids that have had a, a hard time in life that go to Holmes High School. That is correct. Yes. The, the, I don't know the numbers, but they're probably in the 50 to 60 percent um, Title I category. Yes. Yeah. So he's getting told you're never going to make any of these kids successful. Right. And John, uh, the first year, he, they were correct. No one passed the A plus, which actually, by the way, takes two tests to pass the A plus certification. The next year he revamped it a little bit. Before he knew it, he had one, two, three. 
he moved from A plus, which is a very basic certification, onto a network plus. Then he moved on to a security plus, and then they're earning Cisco CCNA. Then they're learning ethical hacker, maybe as they graduate. Uh, but they were earning certifications at a very good clip, and these were un unbelievable to to you. And I I found out about this at a beer over at the Cove. John yeah. plays John plays in a club, and he's out there playing his guitar. And we sat down, had a beer, and said, "Great to see what you've been up to." And he said, this is what I'm doing at Holmes. And I said, well, this is what I'm doing within the local community. And before you know it, we were on, John, uh, pretty quick. And we began to recognize this is something that's really a, a great initiative that he started from scratch. And despite the, the support that he, not saying Northside didn't do it, but he started with nothing. Yeah. And the great story is, I don't know the numbers, but there are probably over 200 certifications that these students have now earned at Holmes High School. Many have moved on to jobs at Rackspace, local companies, John speaks of uh, car envy. Uh, some of his students come back to say hello. He's known yeah. as Mr. C. So they drive up with their nice Mustang or their, their nice uh, sports car, and, the, and they show the, the juniors and seniors or sophomores saying, I just graduated two years ago. I earned $60,000, $70,000, and this is what I'm driving right now. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to school. Yeah. I'm earning my college certificate, my college degree, paid for by my company. So that gets those kids involved in making sure that they want to be like him. Yeah. Um, and the great thing is we've also involved the high school students to teach the middle school students within our clinics. We teach the college kids to teach the high school kids and the middle school kids. The other thing I'd like to mention is John met a gentleman by the name of Arthur Celestine at Southwest ISD. Arthur was in the same boat, didn't have a program, new teacher, met John at a conference, I believe, in Houston and shared what he had. John shared it with Arthur. Southwest ISD is on the southwest part of San Antonio, rural, 80 probably over 85% Title I uh, students. Great kids down there. Dr. Joanne Fay was a, a strong supporter. Arthur Celestine gave him whatever he wanted. Arthur, over the years, took on that same initiative. So the pilot that John started was given to Arthur. And Southwest has now, I believe, surpassed Holmes High School in the number of certifications that they've earned. So they've, they've been proven that this is something that can be replicated in another community and it's done wonders over at Southwest ISD. Yeah, so if you're a, a teacher and you're listening out there and you wanted to roll this kind of program out in your school, um, could that teacher reach out to you at Cyber Texas Foundation? Absolutely, www.cybertexas.org. Um, we proudly work with Southwest ISD. They were a great pilot because they only have one high school until this later next year when they have a second high school that opens, focused on STEM, by the way, next to Toyota. Um, Southwest ISD recognized the need to, to move into this. This was a field that they felt was important to their students. We worked with them uh, to build what we call CyberStar, which was then a middle school program that we would have five weekends in March for two years, and their middle school kids would come down to UTSA downtown, spend their Saturday morning and early afternoon learning about computers and networks and security and had a little competition. That grew, CyberStar, after two years, grew into the classroom at the middle school at McNair. A gentleman by the name of Mike Maldonado started that program. He was a history teacher and a football coach at the middle school. Did a little bit of robotics, but he was, they nailed him and said, you're gonna now be our cyber person. We worked with Mike and Arthur Celestine, created a, a program that was taught at the middle school for two years. In between that second and third year, we then applied to the Texas Education Association, agency, excuse me, for an innovative course 
that's now called the Principles of Cybersecurity. They approved that course in June. So it's now on the list for any high school, high school credit, also middle school can take this or implement this in their classroom for high school credit. So it's out there. That course is available for teachers should they want to bring it on. We can help them with some training. Mike Maldonado at Southwest and others have been willing to help them with the curriculum so that they can be then implemented at their own school. So yes, to answer your question, Brett, the, the curriculum is out there and there's many other curriculums that people have developed, but this is TEA approved that can be taught in the classroom. And you're listening to CyberTalk Radio on 1200 WAI. I'm here with Joe Sanchez of the Cyber Texas Foundation, and we're talking about education uh, initiatives around cybersecurity in the San Antonio area, things that have started here. And uh, if you're a teacher out there listening or an educator or on a school board, um, you could bring these to your location and take them to your city and help America grow the uh cybersecurity professionals that we need for the next uh, 20 years. After the uh, bottom of the hour break, we'll dive a little bit uh, more into where is this headed? Um, what's the kind of career trajectory and growth look like for the cybersecurity industry? And uh, why would this potentially be a good thing for you to encourage your kids, if you're a, a parent out there listening uh, to the program tonight, uh, to get them uh, going headed in this direction? So. Joe, uh, so you've talked about the, the middle school programs, high school, on through the college work uh, with Cyber Texas Foundation. So uh, that covering uh, Cyber Texas now is a 501, uh, 501c3, C3, mm -hmm. so nonprofit. So if uh, folks were looking to donate um, to Cyber Texas uh, to help you further this mission uh, around the education and helping um, us succeed on cybersecurity, um, can they do that through your website, or are there additional things you guys do during the year for fundraising? There are. They can certainly contact me at, at CyberTexas, uh, jsanchez at cybertexas.org. Uh, we, we do have, a, I believe, a donate page, our donate site that people can, can contribute. Um, we all are always looking for funding. Uh, we're, we're strapped, certainly, as, as most nonprofit startups are. But we, we spend, I'd say, between 1000 and maybe $2,000, depending on the number of kids at a clinic. And that the cost of that clinic is to pay those college students or high school students for their six hours on a Saturday. And it's to pay for pizza and drinks for the lunch. And that's what the cost of those, those clinics are. We, we conduct other activities throughout the year, but mainly focused on those weekend programs as they prepare for Cyber Patriot, uh, which is that the National Youth Cyber Education Program. Uh, but we also have some summer programs that, that, we, that we have throughout the city. That again, we're paying instructors. Uh, occasionally, you'll find uh, some people who are experts, much like folks that you've had here in the past as guests. Uh, but typically, we're looking at college students who are in the field studying that that can then teach these high school kids and middle school kids uh, at the clinic. So thank you for, for offering that uh, to the listeners. We are always uh, looking for uh, assistance. Um, we have uh, a program called Adopt-A-School for industry partners who may want to do that. Uh, students at at the high schools or middle schools now form teams and there's teams of five or six and they have varied capabilities in terms of tools um, meeting places um, so a business can adopt a school or a team and they could do everything from simply providing mentors to also maybe a computer or two maybe some software others have bought projectors um, the first company was Digital Defense, DDI, which worked with Southwest ISD, great folks, Larry Hurtado, 
uh, and folks out there who said, we want to help a school. They called me and Chris Cook and said, who needs the help most? And we, I went right to Southwest. So they've had a partnership for six years now. And the great thing is Larry and his team provide mentors, but they also show up at the high school every time there's a competition. They show up with soft drinks and water and pizza for that competition when they do two or three or sometimes four rounds. So on those Saturdays or Sundays when they do the competition, those company, that, that particular company is there to do that. We've had a couple others companies who have come up and said, we will help, and it's up to them. Whatever the school needs, whatever the team needs, that company can help them and, and assist them in, in uh, helping to, to do better in the program, if you will. Yeah, we had uh, Tom DeSott from Tom, sure. Di Digital uh, Defense on the program. Uh, we, we talked drop testing. I think uh, anyone that listened to that uh, episode's never going to pick a USB stick up off of the uh, <laughs> garage floor or right. outside the front door of their office anymore and plug it into anything. Road apples is another term. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. If, if, if you didn't listen to that episode <laughs> when Tom was on and you don't know what a drop test is, um, look us up on iTunes or go to www.cybertalkradio.com and you can pull up the archive there. Um, and that'll be a good lesson learned. Uh, we dug into social engineering and um, all of the cyber things that are sometimes not 100% cyber. It's a little bit of a sort of spy versus spy uh, espionage activities to help you breach cyber defenses. Uh, sure. This is the tricky thing out there in the businesses. It's uh, You can put the perfect uh, computer defenses in place, but you have people in all these systems as well. Man in the loop and woman in the loop, yes. Yeah. I mean, we, when we were growing up, it was losing your keys to your house or your car. Yeah. But imagine now what we have to deal with in these kids who at all ages have, have iPhones and iPads and are on the network all the time. Yes, yeah. indeed. So uh, this Cyber Patriot program, so this is uh, where teams of kids get together and they compete in uh, ethical hacking competitions. No, I wouldn't call it ethical hacking. It's something Cyber Patriot, they, it's a cyber defense competition. Okay. Um, formed by the Air Force Association, this is the ninth year, so nine years ago, in concert with our favorite UTSA, um, helped put the engine together to, to run along with a couple other companies uh, back nine years ago to form a, a competition that enabled teams of five. They download images of operating systems, one to three, depending on the round, generally downloaded on a Monday, Tuesday, on Friday or Saturday or Sunday when they decide to spend six hours, they have to spend six consecutive hours. They open up, they get the key, they open up the operating system. They can only operate on one operating system at a time. They go through and find the bugs and vulnerabilities that are in that operating system. And the better you can do it, the faster you can do it, the better your score is. Once again, teams from all over the country, there's about 4,400 teams now that are competing across the country and across the world. There's some at other countries that are now competing. And they have rounds, two to three rounds. They move into the platinum teams are the ones who are the highest scores, and they advance to the semifinals, which can then make it to the finals in Washington, D.C. And only 27 teams out of the 4,400 make it to the finals. And it's a, it's a strong competition. It's more difficult every round. And that's what these kids are preparing for within Cyber Patriot. And as I said, UTSA was one of the originators. And they, they now run the program, the engine. They run the virtual machines that enable these students to compete, again, across the country. So uh, for the kids in that program, if they make it to the nationals, do they need sponsors or sponsorships? Or does the school or the program fund itself for their travel and hotel and, and accommodations? It's the latter, Brett. With, with the, the admission fee, which is a few hundred dollars. Uh, by the way, ROTC teams are a division. There's two divisions, open division and ROTC. ROTC does not have to pay. 
the services pay for the admission fee for the ROTC teams. But the open division, two to three hundred dollars for per team. And there's some discounts if you have more teams. Some of our schools here locally have 12 or 15 teams, but they pay for the admission, and that money goes towards the the flights and the the hotel cost and whatever cost they incur there. Now, to for food and everything else, that's on their own. But uh, yes, there there could be a, a donations here and there for teams. We've been lucky. Out of the six years that we've been competing, uh, all but one year we've had at least one team make it to the finals, and we've had upwards of four teams make it to the finals. We had one national champion and one third place. Uh, the Information Technology and Security Academy won the national championship a few years back, and they were in third place the year before. That's uh, wonderful to hear on uh, what we've uh, done in the history here of the last 15 plus years developing cybersecurity education in the San Antonio area. Um, after the bottom of the hour break, uh, Joe and I will talk about the future of where is this all headed and why is this going to be important for uh, America in the next 20 years. Welcome back to CyberTalk Radio. Uh, my guest this week is Joe Sanchez of the Cyber Texas Foundation, and we're talking about cybersecurity education in and around San Antonio. Uh, and now, after the break here, and uh, this bottom half of the hour, we're going to talk about uh, where things are going, what's going to happen in the future, um, maybe how you can get involved in a We'll get Joe to rub his crystal ball a little bit to see uh, where things really go. So one of the uh, things we had, were chatting about a little bit um, during that break was the uh, Cyber Texas Summit. So what is that, and uh, when's that coming up for folks to uh, register, get involved, and, and go attend? We had a Cyber Texas Summit event this past August, so just a few months ago. It was our second under Cyber Texas Foundation, but a, I would say four to five years prior, there was a, a different variant of this summit. It was typically a half day on a Saturday, usually the Fiesta Saturday, um, Oyster Bake weekend, if you will. We had, it was free. You had anywhere from 100 to 200 people who would show up, and we'd have some of our local Texas legislators, congressmen, uh, maybe a general or two from 24th Air Force or one of the cyber communities here in town who would visit downtown and be there to talk to folks and say what's pretty much going on in the cyber world. Uh, that grew a little bit more, a little by little, every year. And we recognized that there was a, an opportunity for Cyber Texas Foundation to then hold an event. We were uh, we reached out to Cyber Maryland, the people who put that program together, which has been around about five years, and uh, Federal Business Council (FBC). They put on the event at Cyber Maryland, so they have, if you will, been our event planner. They're much more than that, I will say that, uh, but they've been doing Cyber Texas for us the last two years. So our second year this year, we had about 800 people registered. We were in the new. Henry B. Gonzalez section of the convention center. We had about 600 plus people who actually were there for the two days, uh, highlighted by a uh, what, I, what I thought was a much needed, perhaps neglected area. We weren't recognizing our our, his, our people who had helped build this cyber program here in San Antonio. So we established a hall of honor that uh, we had four individuals who we recognized. Uh, it was the first hall of honor, the induction. So we'll do that every year. Um, it was a great event for the Hall of Honor induction, uh, a great two, one, well, two days actually within cyber. So the, the focus was on certainly cyber education, but also more cyber operations, what's going on in the military, how do people, uh, how do businesses protect their own. 
So we had, gosh, I would think over 100 speakers broken out over four different different tracks. We're already planning for next year. We're looking at an early August date to do it again. Uh, we're always looking for speakers or people who would be interested in attending. We offer uh, nominal or free of charge to students um, and certainly educators. And then there's certainly a small fee for uh, other industry partners to come. And government are, are free, uh, employees, military, and civilian. Uh, but it's a, it's a great initiative. We're looking forward to next year, and hopefully we'll have upwards of 1,000 people uh, here at this cyber event. And the neat thing is it's focused on cyber. There are other things that are going on. The Alamo ACE, the, the Alamo Armed Forces uh, Communications Electronics Association, has a program in December. Uh, there's InnoTech in March. But again, those are information technology. It's across, whereas ours is more specific into cyber. So uh, if folks wanted to look up the registration, is there a website uh, for that summit? Well, not just yet, but eventually there will be. Uh, again, next August is when we're looking at, so we'll probably open registration, I would think, around the May-June time frame. And we'll get information out to the folks here in the industry, but they can always go to cybertexas.org, and we'll have information there. Since it's handled by FBC, they have their own website that can take the credit cards, and specifically from military and civilians and people who are going to be registering in that way. So we work through FBC. Cool. So uh, bookmark the uh, cybertexas.org website. Uh, check back um, as you uh, wrap up classes mm -hmm. if you're in university or high school here at the uh, end of your school year and uh, look up for that event coming at the end of your uh, summer break. Uh, for those in the workforce, uh, yeah. When Indeed. You, we wrap up Q2, we can hop back on the cybertexas.org website to take a look for the uh, conference and a, a good reason to uh, go over and check out the new convention center space if you haven't been downtown uh, in San Antonio here to see it. Um, by that, that point, the park should be looking pretty amazing for uh, next year as well, some I of those views so. opening up. I would think so, yes. And if I may, the, the four people who were inducted, I, I can't uh, get by without recognizing the four. Mr. Larry Merritt, who was among the first in the Air Force to really push for the need for what was then called a cyber emergency response team. Uh, he had some great stories that uh, people at some of the three-letter organizations just said, go away. We don't need that. We have our own specifications. But to hear the stories that he told about, uh, we have we have uh, doors that are locked. We have buildings that are surrounded by gates. We have all these things that were, of course, germane at the time, but people just didn't recognize what we were getting into. And this was back in the mid-1980s. So Larry Merritt was one. Uh, Dr. Greg White out at UTSA. Dr. Glenn Dietrich also at UTSA. Um, and then we had Lee Sutterfield of Secure Logics here who was there. All of them, minus Dr. Glenn Dietrich, all once worked together at the Air Force in various capacities. Yeah, if uh, I wanted to look at this Hall of Honor, is it online on a website or anything anywhere for folks that wanted to look at more details there? That is on our website at cybertexas.org, yes. Okay. And we hope to improve that. Uh, there's a, a much, much of a need to better describe what these individuals did. There's some small little instances of what they accomplished, but... There's more to do in, in that in that web page. But, yes, it does say what they did. That's uh, good. It sounds like a lot of good information uh, there on your website, especially for a, a foundation getting started up. Uh, it's hard to get all the resources to do uh, all of these different things. Even if you're in the cybersecurity world, it does not necessarily mean uh, you have a team of web design and development professionals available to you all the time. Indeed. We're all volunteers. Uh, Sandy Boyd does our clinics and camps. Chris Cook is around town meeting with people from academia to industry to prospective business partners to come down here in San Antonio. Mark Gravely's our, our legal uh, friend who helped form the, the organization. We have Danae Brooks, who's our marketing person, uh, an intern, so uh, a slight uh, paid employee there. But 
all of us, most of us are just volunteers. We have our day job. Uh, Chris and Sandy are retired, but uh, it is truly just the love for the, the need to get more people involved. Um, we've been fortunate in that we do have a link on our site. If you want to volunteer or want to learn more about it, uh, go to the to the web page and you'll find a way to volunteer or, or become more involved in Cyber Texas. And lately, uh, with the help of Danae and our summit, we've had uh, quite a few people who've said, I want to I teach, I want to mentor to kids. Uh, how can I help? I have this background. These are the things. And we're slowly finding ways for these people to engage within the community. We may not, they may not work for us or work under us, but if we can put them into a school or or an effort that's going on, all the better. So uh, it, we've been talking about lots of great things going on. And as I have other conversations with folks, I hear numbers um, like we're 3 million information security professionals short here across America. So there's, there's 3 million jobs that are unfilled right now because we still don't have the people with those Security Plus certifications even, or a, a Ethical Hacker or a CISSP as you get to some of the more um, advanced and seasoned roles that folks are looking to fill. Um, have you heard numbers around that, different numbers? Where, where, do, you, where do you see um, us sitting in the cybersecurity workforce? I've heard the three million mentioned, although that was a worldwide number, is what I understand. I heard a million within the within the country here as we sit here today. Um, the numbers in San Antonio, I, I would venture to say they're probably in the thousand to two thousand range of, of people with the the local vendors who support the military, who support the the local businesses that are out there doing cybersecurity across the world. I would say we're at about a thousand to two thousand people short of of cybersecurity specialists. The, it's often been said, I'm sure you've heard it, Brett, the, the unemployment rate for cybersecurity specialists is zero. Yeah. Um, there are jobs out there. So in 1,000 to 2,000, and, and to give folks some context and perspective, um, how many folks are graduating out of uh, UTSA or one of the other uh, programs around here every year? Not enough. A, a, a blunt answer. There's not enough. Uh, we looked at this about five years ago, and I think we had approximately 250 students across the the universities here in San Antonio. We have not taken another look. There's some there's some studies that are we hear are coming about. They're going to give us a better perspective. Um, I, I formed a cyber innovation research consortium of all the universities and colleges here in San Antonio. We haven't met as often as I would like, uh, but the very early years, very early years, years, we were there to work with them on finding ways for them to partner for St. Philip's College to work with UTSA, for St. Mary's to work with Our Lady of the Lake finding programs that they can work on together, uh, just meeting people. There were professors at the university didn't know each other, didn't know that they had common interest in summer research. So those that CERC, Cyber Innovation Research Consortium, was formed, and that's where we got the data of the, of the number of people graduating, the 250, and that was about three or four years ago. Uh, I'm certain it's, it's more than that. I will tell you, uh, St. Mary's University, uh, most of their inbound freshmen are now in the Science, Engineering, and Technology School. Same with UTSA. Many of the young folks that are coming into the sciences or the, the technology are moving into cybersecurity. So it, it's certainly growing. Uh, I, we need to do an, another study to determine just how many are coming out of, out of schools here locally. And also not at the four-year degree. You can get a very good job with, a, with an associate's degree from one of our, our great schools within the Alamo Colleges. You can do, get a pretty good job with those certifications we spoke of earlier at one of these local high schools. So. Uh, I believe it was an IBM letter uh, that uh, the CEO, and I forget her name, she wrote a letter to President-elect Trump and spoke specifically about the need for more IT focus and IT jobs. And one of the areas where she spoke about was a four-year degree. But she went on to say that many of our jobs, I think she said one-third of our jobs at IBM do not 
The people do not have a degree. And many of those fields are. And the very first field I think she mentioned was cybersecurity along with a few others. So yes, go out and get a degree. I'm, I'm all for that. But if, if they want to earn only an associate's degree, they can get a pretty good job of that and maybe continue their, their aspirations for a four-year degree. Yeah. And uh, this is, is one where, as you said, there's going to be need for folks at all sorts of skill levels, whether you're a cybersecurity analyst. And uh, this may be helpful for listeners to go through just what are some of these different jobs and careers of where they could go. So um, can you help? I'll walk through maybe some of the roles I'm aware of, and you can maybe help explain to, to our listeners out there um, what these different roles are. So a cybersecurity analyst. Yes, uh, an individual who would look at, at logs, perhaps, to see what, what's been going through a network to find out maybe some, some rare instances where something's not correct, and they would dig a little deeper to find out what that problem set is. They'll look at, across their, their own network of people uh, to find out, have you seen this, have you heard this? They'll look at what's out there uh, that's published by Microsoft and all the other ent entities, cybersecurity companies, to discover, yes, oh, this is a vulnerability that so-and-so discovered. This is what we need to do and able to 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 thwart that particular vulnerability. So an analyst is one who loves research, loves Googling, loves finding ways of how things are operating and what the problem set is and how we can fix it. So then uh, you, the, the next uh, thing that comes to mind for me is a, a network security engineer. And this, they drop the word cyber off. So if you're out Googling and looking for jobs around this at the, the network security engineering level, well, the word cyber gets dropped, but it really is a cyber network security engineer. What do those folks do? Yes, well, obviously, they, they'd be there to, an engineer would be there to help design it. Uh, so they would be working with the Cisco's or the other providers, uh, Juniper Networks, the other networks that are out there to, to put that network together, the topology, uh, put the switches, the routers together, configure them properly, and, and securely is the key. So what you're speaking of cyber is, again, looking at how that network is operating and finding those instances where something crashed, something went down. Our, our router is not hitting the right place where it should. Is there a problem set? Is there something that has entered our network that we need to be able to define what it is? And they have the network know-how. They work with that analyst to say, we have a problem here. This is the outage. Let's find the vulnerability. Let's find what happened. It, it could be a power outage. It could be a spike. It could be uh, any a misconfiguration. But that network analyst would know about the network and how that network is set up and be able to, to work with the analyst to uncover what the problem set is and find the, the remediation. Yeah, so that that uh, network security engineering, if you uh, wanted to go down that route, if you happen to be at Holmes High School, getting that network plus or that CCNA, that's a way to start there. If you didn't go there, you can go to the Alamo area colleges here in San Antonio uh, that have network security uh, tracks and programs uh, in place uh, to to get that piece of your career going. So then there's uh, into your area um, that you work in. So this is uh, the um, cybersecurity software program or software development uh, role? Certainly. Uh, uh, many people would argue, but I, I believe that's the most important. Um, if, if we could find ways to code from the beginning, design, develop, and test securely, and, and that's happening more and more, but the more that we can begin, whether it's a small app on an iPhone, whether it's a large uh, application that's going to go onto a network for a particular company, whether it's a network router or a switch, all those require software. So code is a part of all of that. And the more that we can, we can code with securely with security in mind, the better off we will be. Um, it is 
perhaps one of the more difficult because it does require a, typically a, a software development, software engineering degree. It's a typically, as you know, Brett, a computer science type of degree that you would have to be be uh, leaning to getting uh, an, ed an education in that field. You can do it by learning the different applications, the different software uh, languages, certainly. You don't necessarily need a degree in, in computer engineering or computer, uh, I'm sorry, software engineering or computer science, but to get to the root of the problems and design systems properly, a, a computer science degree is something that people would need. Yeah, and software, uh, and Mark Andreessen's famous for saying it's eating the world, it's, it's getting into everything now. I mean, we've seen um, then what bad software does, uh, example, this past fall of uh, a number of uh, Internet of Things devices were uh, compromised and used in an attack on the Internet infrastructure itself. And those devices um, just had things that you'd think, this can't make any sense. I can't believe they shipped this software, but it had a hard-coded username and password, a, a administrator-level username and password mm -hmm. hard-coded into the device. So if you're out there um, as a kid or a, a, an adult and working and programming, it's never a good idea to hard-code a username and password into <laughs> a system. Uh, those need know. to be things that are generated on a per-device level and the things that your users can control and change. And, I mean, this is where, like, that's the fundamental level of the gap. This is a device that shipped and sold millions of units with that type of security flaw in it. Um, this is one from an education perspective. Like, as you said, it's the, the big one where we probably have the biggest gap. Uh, and it's, it's hard to learn this stuff. Uh, as I think with computer science, though, many folks get pretty intimidated by it um and the math the math yeah and it's very mathematical in the algorithms and the data structure piece of it but it's also very much just like learning a foreign language so when you're you're talking to a computer you're programming um and you're that's what you're doing you're talking to a computer and the computer's listening the computer requires you to have very specific correct grammar so you're not allowed to use a dangling modifier you can't do bad grammar like I just did right there, the computer would not compute that. It would say you said something that didn't make mm -hmm. sense. So uh, for the folks that are, are capable, if you, if you happen to speak two languages, um, you can learn a third. That third language could be Python. It's a computer programming language. And uh, I would say don't be intimidated. There's uh, programs out there online to mm -hmm. start trying. Uh, Code School, Code Academy. many of these things are free. Um, you could get going and get started to see if you like it and enjoy it. Uh, then if you do, consider enrolling in computer science program uh, at one of the Alamo area colleges at one of our four-year universities here and you can progress on down the track to that computer science degree where you'll really have the fundamentals to write safe secure software yes and what I'm finding I'm hearing from a lot of students at our clinics is they want to code games they want to build that next game so yes if that brings them into the field of coding and they want to create games online go for it because uh, the more we can get coders out there the better yeah i mean i think that minecraft has done wonders uh, many parents may be frustrated with the number <laughs> of hours your your kids have played um spending on minecraft but if they're in there and they're creating and developing and um, not just running around mindlessly killing zombies, but if they're in there doing some of the creative things inside of Minecraft, it can be a great way uh, to get kids engaged in technology and engaged in computer programming. Um, same with some of these other games out there, parents. Uh, World of Warcraft allows the uh, kids to uh, customize and build in add-on modules and all sorts of code in that game as well. It's uh, written in a language called Lua, which is a, a good programming language to learn a lot of the 
um, solid computer science fundamentals in. So uh, if your kids are playing games, ask them if they're doing computer programming with it. Maybe you give them a little bit more slack uh, to continue on that. Uh, but if they're just playing it to play it and not learn anything, then try to nudge them in the direction of, of turning that hobby into something that's also educational for sure. them. Sure, make it your own. So you're listening to CyberTalk Radio on 1200 WAI. I'm here with Joe Sanchez of the Cyber Texas Foundation, and we're talking uh, the future of computer science education, the skills gap we have, and a, a number of wonderful things that we've uh, kicked off here um, and that Cyber Texas Foundation and, and Joe and others have done over the last 15 years to get um, our universities, high schools, middle schools, and uh, programs going uh, to really uh, fill a lot of the cybersecurity skill gap we here, have here in San Antonio. Joe was saying maybe we've got thousands of job openings here that aren't filled out of million or million or more across the nation. Uh, what are we doing uh, here in San Antonio, if anything, yet to try to help other cities catch up to where we're at? Because, I mean, I think we've got a, a pretty strong leadership position around cybersecurity between us and then the, the Washington, D.C. area are the, the two main centers of it. Um, nationwide. Even if you go to Silicon Valley, there's not as much cybersecurity out there. There's a lot of computer programming, but not really cybersecurity. Correct. Well, as as Cyber Texas, what we're we're certainly trying to reach out to our our partners at the other larger cities here in, in Texas, Austin, Dallas, and Houston. We have um, friends. We have people we've partnered with in the past. We invite them to our summit. I, I will admit we haven't done the 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 work that we would like to do throughout Texas, uh, but we are in touch with them. Uh, we've we've actually had people call us, and Chris Cook gets most of the phone calls. We're actually working with with uh, St. Louis. St. Louis heard about what we're doing. They have a Midwest Cyber Consortium Center of Excellence or something like that, and they have they have Air Force bases. They have some small chambers, but they too want to move into what we're doing. So the work we've done over the last 15, 16 years, we're willing to show that as a model and show St. Louis that this is something that you can do. We've had people from Augusta, Georgia, people from California, Colorado Springs have contacted us at Cyber Texas Foundation after they learned what we've done. We've had a number of magazine articles published in, in various art, uh, magazines throughout the country over the years. People get to know us a little bit more. Uh, word of mouth is one of the greatest, as you know, marketing opportunities that we have. And people contact Chris and say, we want to know what you guys have done. We hear what's going on. We have a nice niche here because we do have an Air Force mission. We do have people who have left the Air Force, whether enlisted or civilian or, or officer, have formed companies. Those people are still here. Their families are here, and they know of other people as they're coming out. So we have a nice ecosystem, the word that's uh, used a lot. Of, lately, I heard the term atmospherics is the latest word that I heard coming out here. So we have good atmospherics here in San Antonio for this. But we are out there helping other communities in the country and more than willing to, to do that uh, for them because we do need more people. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. So um, as we move into this uh, ever-increasing digital world, these uh, Internet of Things, the computing devices um, all over, uh, the education around this is going to continue to uh, grow in necessity to where, I mean, I really see almost every career, every job having um, some level of computer and at least cybersecurity awareness. Even if you're not going to be a professional, um, everyone that's looking at entering the workforce, uh, it's going to be reading, writing, arithmetic, and cyber awareness at least, uh, coming out of, of your education uh, growing up and going these days. Is this 
something, as you said, it's gone down into the middle schools now. Does this go to elementary schools? Does this become just a fundamental thing that, that everybody has to learn at some level? Many of the experts have acknowledged that, that we, this is something we need to teach our youngsters at a four, five, six years old, just to let them know they're using them. They're using the iPads. They're on the system. So they, they grow up with that. Um, digital natives are terms probably often overused, but that's what they are. But as they grow a little bit older in elementary school, then they begin, we begin to expose them to the, to the, what just, what, what's important to you? I asked that question. I was a keynote at a, at a, at the Hispanic chamber recently. I asked, I asked them to challenge their, their folks. What's important? What information is important to you? You want to keep that with, to yourself or to your family. Those are the type of things I think we need to start telling our kids. All this information is out there. And the last thing you want is it for, to be out, out in public. Uh, so more and more, yes, at elementary school level, Cyber Patriot has an elementary program, so they're getting the word out there, and it's 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 gone from high school all the way down to there. So indeed, people need to take this as, as you said, reading, writing, and mathematics, and, and as well as cyber, no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for joining us uh, this week, Joe, uh, with the Cyber Texas Foundation. You can go to cybertexas.org to learn more, to get involved, to uh, adopt a school, to uh, if you're a cybersecurity professional listening and want to teach at one of the weekend camps that they run. Uh, Joe would be happy to hear from you there. Um, if you're an educator and you want to uh, do what some of the folks have done at Holmes or the uh, other schools around here to, to create career paths and trajectories for uh, your kids, please reach out. Uh, you can also get more information on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com. Um, you can find us on Twitter at CyberTalkRadio as well. And uh, thank you. Have a good day. Brett, thank you very much. On behalf of all at Cyber Texas Foundation, I want to thank you for this opportunity to share a wonderful experience here. Um, thanks to James and Christina for all their hard work, and we wish you all the best. We're, we're fans, and we want to see this succeed. Thanks a lot.